Thanks for watching today. I pray the message that you're about to hear will empower you to use your voice, help change the way you think, and refresh your spirit. If you'd like to follow along with Pastor's Notes, you can find them on the on-demand page of walkingbyfaith.tv or on our app, where you can also submit a prayer request. I want to encourage you to contact us if you are in need of prayer. When you mess up or do something wrong to someone else, most of the time it weighs on your heart until you are forgiven. But being the person who was wronged also weighs on you, probably more than you think. We often become bitter towards that person, but we take what happened to our Father God and talk it out with Him. He will always remind us that they deserve forgiveness just as much as you do. Pastor is going to show us the right steps to take in today's message, The Forgiven Forgive. Well, today, uh, I, I want to talk to you about Jesus, well, literally on the cross. Uh, now, what Jesus said, not so much what he did, but what he said on the cross. He's there. He's redeeming us. He's paying for our sins. And as he's on the cross, you know, we call that Good Friday. Uh, but I think Jesus probably called that Bad Friday. I mean, it was good for us, but it wasn't good for him. I mean, he was going to call Easter, but that'd be Good Sunday. You know, because they're going to be, he's going to rise from the dead. But for us, we think of it as good. But for G, from Jesus' perspective, it was the one thing that he had to go through in order to get what he wanted to obtain. Uh, and on the, if you, if you take all four of the Gospels together, Jesus makes seven statements on the cross. And I just want to talk to you today about one. I want to talk to you about the first one. But in order to get there, let's go to Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2. It says, fixing your eyes on Jesus. How many of you know any person can and will ultimately in some way let you down? That's why we don't keep our eyes on people. We keep our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Jesus was not going to the cross. He was on his way to the resurrection. And in order to get to the resurrection, there was a cross in the way. There was a cross that he had to go through. So for the joy that was set before him, he had to go through the cross. So he endured everything that he had to endure. Scorning at shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He endured because he was looking for something ahead. I was talking to somebody this week and they were talking about some of the things that they're going through in this life. And I mentioned to them, but do you know what? We're going somewhere. We're on our way to a heavenly reward. So Jesus, he went through the cross. He's buried. He rose from the dead. Now he's sitting at the right hand of God, the father. The Bible says he's making intercession for us. He is like our attorney in heaven. The Message Bible takes these same verses a little differently. It says, it means we'd better get on with it, strip down, start running, never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasite sins. Keeping your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished the race we're in. Study how he did it. Study how he did it. How many have been through some hard times or you're in hard times? In fact, pretty much in life, you're either in hard times or you're about to go into hard times. Something, something's coming your way. Right? So it says, study how he did it because he never lost sight of where he was headed. 
He didn't look at the circumstances. He looked at where he was going, that accelerating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way, the cross, the shame, whatever. Goes on in the third verse. And now he's there in a place of honor right alongside God. And when you find yourself flagging in your faith, go over the story again, item by item. That long litany of hostilities he plowed through. And that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. You know, he was mistreated, misquoted, misunderstood, hated, lied about, ostracized, betrayed, arrested, went through a mock trial, crucified. And as he's on the cross, as I said, if you look at all four gospels, you find that Jesus made seven different statements. But the first one that he made is, is all I wanna to talk to you about today. He said, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they do. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. And it's interesting that Jesus is a huge part of what he taught, taught forgiveness. In Mark's gospel, Jesus talks about faith in Mark chapter 11. In fact, he gives the, 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 the most detailed and complete teaching on faith you will find anywhere in the Bible. And then he says, and whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone. Now, now I believe the reason he's talking about faith and then talks about forgiveness and unforgiveness is because probably the biggest hindrance to our faith is when we refuse to forgive. But notice what Jesus said. He said, whenever. Other translations say, every time you pray. So what that tells me is this. This is something that you and I are gonna do a lot. Because you're gonna have a lot of opportunities to get upset with somebody. Dr. Cho, who pastors the largest church in the world, says, I pray four hours every day because I hate so many people. <laughs> In other words, he's saying, look, it's, I've got this list of people I got to forgive every single day. And it also tells me this, that I can forgive somebody and really forgive them, but yet I see them or somebody does something in that pain comes back. And when the pain comes back, what do I need to do? I need to go right back where I was before. And when I pray, I need to forgive. He says, whenever you stand praying or every time you pray, if you have anything, but they did, I don't know what they did, but Jesus knows what they did. And he said, it doesn't matter what they did, anything. How many know that's all inclusive? And then it's anyone. I mean, no, that's also all inclusive. Most of the time when somebody hurts us deeply, it's somebody that's close to us. Maybe this, this, if you came up to me after today's message and said, that was the worst sermon I've ever heard and you're the worst pastor I've ever seen. You know, I, you know, I go, oh man, that's, that's too bad. I'm sorry you feel that way. Now, if Jeannie said that, oh, that'd be another story. You know, it's the people that are the closest to you that you've got the relationship with, that you've opened yourself up to, that can hurt you the most. But Jesus said, anything, anyone. 
So it doesn't matter what has happened to us. Now, one of the reasons for this, I really believe, is found in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 26. It says, be angry and don't sin, and don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Next verse, neither give place to the devil. Other translations says, don't give Satan a foothold. In other words, when we refuse to forgive, it gives Satan an opportunity, an open door to come in and attack our lives. There's an example of this found in the Old Testament. One of the, the best known chapters in the Old Testament is 1 Samuel 17. David goes and kills Goliath. It's a great day for Israel. Everybody's rejoicing. But as they're coming back in the next chapter, the 18th chapter, the Bible says the ladies come out and they've got their tambourines and they're dancing around and they're singing, Saul has slain his thousands, but David his tenth of thousands. Now, when Saul heard that, he was, the Bible says, very angry. The stain displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed to David tens of thousands, but to me, they have ascribed only thousands. What more can he have but the kingdom? And he eyed David from that day forward. Something came into his heart against David. Now, David hadn't done anything wrong, but nevertheless, something came into his heart. And it says, on the next day, a distressing spirit. Other translations say an evil spirit from God came upon Saul. When he opened that door, the next day, there is an oppressing, there is an evil spirit that begins to attack his life. And if you look at his life from that point on, he begins a spiral, a downward spiral that takes place. Now, what happened? He opened the door for the devil through unforgiveness. Jesus' disciples come to him, and this is in, in uh, Luke chapter 17, uh, and, and say, Jesus, uh, how often shall I forgive my brother who sins against me? Seven times. And Jesus said, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven. And the disciples said to Jesus, Lord, increase our faith. Now, Jesus is telling them they need to forgive. And what do they say we need more of? Faith. Increase our faith. Not, not touch our feelings, but increase our faith. 45 years ago, Jeannie and I were in Bible school, and uh, we had a guest speaker come in from uh, the Netherlands. Her name was Corey Tinboom. How many have heard of Corey Tinboom? wrote a very, very well-read book called uh, The Hiding Place. But she and her family, it says during World War II, they have taken Jewish people into their homes and they're part of an underground that is protecting them and moving them and they get caught. So her father, her sister, and herself are taken and they're put in a concentration camp. Her father dies a short time later from the conditions in the camp. Uh, she and her sister are abused in many different ways, and, and they go through everything. And finally, at the end of the war, uh, she is liberated. Her sister has died in the camp. And she is going around and talking to people about her experiences and about the power of forgiveness. Uh, she was in Munich. She was speaking, and 
And uh, she says, I saw him working his way forward against the others who were leaving. One moment I saw the overcoat and the brown hat, and the next I saw his blue uniform, his visored cap with the, the skull and the crossbones. He says, and it, it came back in a rush. I saw a huge room with harsh overhead lights, a pathetic pile of dresses and shoes in the center of the floor, and the shame of walking naked in front of that man. This was one of the cruelest guards that had been in that camp. And he came up and, and he said, uh, Fuhrlein, what a good talk about forgiveness. He said, I was a, he didn't recognize her, but she immediately recognized him. He said, I was a guard in a camp. And, and she's thinking, I know, I know. And uh, he said, uh, what a good talk about forgiveness. Uh, would, would you say that you forgive me? And she says, she immediately thought about the abuse and all the things that had happened. And, and he stuck out his hand and she says, I, I wanted to grab it, but I, I just, I couldn't. And she said, God, I said, help me. She says, because I knew that forgiveness was not a feeling. It's a decision you make by faith. And, and she said, I, I prayed and I said, God, help me. God, help me. And she said, I reached out my hand and I grabbed his hand and I said, brother, I forgive you with all my heart. And she said, when she did, and I'm not, I, but believe me, I'm not telling you you're going to have an identical experience to hers. But she said, I just felt the love of God that's been shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Spirit just flood all through my being. Let me tell you something. I've forgiven people and didn't feel that. But you, you may, but the Bible does tell us the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. When we don't forgive, we think really that we're punishing the other person. But the truth is the exact opposite. Someone said that holding unforgiveness is like drinking poison yourself and waiting for somebody else to die. In Hebrews 12, 15, it says, see to it that no one falls away from God's grace that no bitterness spring up and cause trouble and spoil everybody's life. And spoil what? Everybody's life. You think it'll just affect you, but unforgiveness is like a hand grenade. It blows up and everybody who's nearby is affected. We think we're going to hurt them. I heard a joke about a rather simple, simple fellow and he came into the general store and there was a bunch of good old guys that were sitting around and he said, I'm going to get him today. And Paul, he always comes in, he's hitting me on the chest. Now, look, he says, I got dynamite. He says, when he hits my chest, I'm going to blow his hand off. Hey, that's funny. Even if you don't think that's funny, that's funny. <laughs> but how many of you know <laughs> he's going to blow his own chest apart? And, and you might in some form of revenge hurt somebody in some way, but you will always do more harm to yourself than you ever did to the other person. Ecclesiastes 7 and verse 9 says this, Do not hasten in your spirit to be angry, because anger rests in the bosom of the fool. Anger rests in the bosom of the fool. Here's what this verse is saying. 
It, it's saying that there are people that wake up mad every day. Every day. You do something and they blow up and you think, what did I do? You didn't do anything. They woke up mad. They've been mad, some of them for a month, some of them for a year, some of them for 10 years, and some of them for 50 years. And when we have unresolved conflict, when we have something that we have not forgiven somebody of, the Bible tells us that there's an anger that gets on the inside of us and it's right underneath the surface. And the littlest thing happens and they blow. How many of you ever saw or did, you just saw a little thing happen and a person totally blew up, totally disproportionate to what was happening? See, it's that unresolved anger unresolved conflict. And the Bible says it rests in the bosom of the fool. Now, it was in 1649 that uh, Cromwell and the group, they, they overthrew the British monarchy. Uh, not that Cromwell was, was in favor of it, but ultimately they ended up, they tried and they executed uh, King Charles I, who was in power. 11 years later, the uh, loyalist recaptured the throne. King Charles II said, there are 59 people I hold responsible for the death of my father, and he wanted to execute all of them. However, 15 of them, including Cromwell, had already died. So he exhumed their bodies, put them in chairs, in chains, get this, and held a court and convicted them and hung them. Now, how many of you know that's like digging up the past? That's really like digging up the past. You know, but if you don't let things go, if you don't forgive and let it go, Paul said it this way, this one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind. I think he would be saying to us, one thing that keeps us from God's destiny, God's blessing, God's purpose for our lives is when we keep holding on to the things of the past. Again, Hebrews 12 and verse 15, least any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled. Not just a few, but many. In 12 hours, Jesus is betrayed. His, there's false accusations. There's a mock trial. He's abandoned. He's rejected. He's whipped. He's abused. He's mocked. He's stripped naked, crucified, and humiliated. The Bible says, he would already have experienced it all himself. When you come before God as a high priest to get rid of people's sins, he would have already experienced it all himself, all the pain, all the testing. He would be able to help wherever was needed. You see, Jesus has experienced everything that there is to experience in the human condition. The pain, the hurt, the abandonment, the mockery, the humiliation, the false accusations. He's experienced it all. And so when we come to him, he is, it is not that he does not understand our experience. He understands it all. Now, 1 Peter chapter 2, 
And, and I don't know that I've ever heard someone preach on this because it's just not fun. This isn't nice stuff. This isn't, how many of there's some parts of the Bible you just kind of like, sometimes you wish they weren't there because they just get you. This is one of those. For this is commendable. If because of conscience towards God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. For what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. For to this you were called. To this you were called. As a believer, you do right. You're misunderstood. You're rejected. You're abandoned. You're hurt. You're humiliated. You're mocked. You're mistreated. And Bible says we are to just keep on loving the person, keep loving God. To this we were called. To this we were called. You say, we think, well, receive Jesus, you're never going to have another problem, another bad thought, nothing bad's going to happen. But the Bible says we're called to do right and to be mistreated, abandoned, hurt, humiliated, mocked. And what are we to do? We're to do what Jesus did. Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving an example that we should suffer in his, in his steps who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. And he did not revile. He didn't say, oh, I'm going to get you back. What did he say? Father, forgive them. They do not know what they do. Forgiveness is not saying that what happened is unimportant. It's not saying that it didn't hurt. It's not saying they deserve to be forgiven or that there was no pain. I'm going to say something here. The, the, the whole gospel is about grace, which means you get what you don't deserve, right? That's what, that's what the gospel is. It's grace. By grace, you're saved. In other words, you and I do not deserve to be saved. But yet God saved us. And somebody says they don't deserve to be forgiven. I don't want to bring this up, but you don't either, and neither do I. But it's grace. And we're not supposed to just receive grace. We are supposed to be dispensers of grace. And when you forgive somebody, it doesn't mean that you're reconciled. It doesn't mean that you take them back in your life and you trust them completely again. It doesn't mean that. Uh, they don't even have to agree that they did something wrong very often. They don't even know they did something. The forgiveness doesn't mean I wait till they say they're sorry. And it's not about being fair. To be a Christian, C.S. Lewis said this, to be a Christian is to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven us the inexcusable. Is that not true? And the Bible says we're called to do right and to suffer for doing what's right. Forgiveness is giving people what they do not deserve. It's grace. It's not impossible to do. Jesus said we do it every time. We are to do it every time that we pray. And it's not a matter of our feelings. It's a matter of faith. It is a decision that we make. 
Somebody says, well, I can forgive. In fact, Jeannie and I read a book years ago that the author of this book, we'd read several books that, we, that, that she had written that we, we enjoyed. And we were reading this book and the author said, hey, it, some people have done things that are so terrible, you can't forgive them. So just put that in one pocket and keep it there and then live out of all your other pockets. But just let me tell you something. You put dog poop in one pocket, everything stinks. It messes everything up. You cannot put that in one pocket. So Romans 12, verse 2. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. And if possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it's written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. And in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. See, God, because he's forgiven us, he enables us to forgive others. And it says, don't be overcome by evil. Don't try to overcome that evil with more evil because it just produces a continual cycle of evil. But the Bible says the way that you overcome evil is with good. So Jesus in Matthew chapter five, this is the greatest sermon that was ever preached. The, 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 the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, I just want to read a few verses. You've heard it said to love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Notice Jesus said to bless them. Don't revile. He said to bless them. And what happens when you bless instead of curse, that begins to work on the inside of them. He says, you're going to be like heaping hot coals on their head. He says, bless them. Speak well of them in private, in public. He says, bless and do not curse. And in Romans 12, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. I remember this was, this was 30, just over 30 years ago. There was a, a man in our church who was speaking evil of me. And more than one person came and, and talked to me about it. And so I, I decided I was going to go and I was going to have a clarification meeting, sometimes called a confrontation. And so I, I arranged the meeting and, and uh, that morning and as I was praying, the, the, the Lord instructed me, through a scripture in Ecclesiastes, not to do that. And so I just went and just spent the day, day, a couple of hours with him, and, and we talked, and I talked to him about some of the things that were happening in the church and about the vision and, and where we were going. And, and at the close, we prayed, and he left. Now, it has been well over 30 years. He is still in his, this church. His kids are in the church. His grandkids are in the church. You know, instead of trying to justify myself, you know what we need to do sometimes? We just need to forgive and keep going. Take the high road. Take the high road. Right? He says, do them good. That's what Jesus said, do them good. Those, those that have done you wrong. He said, if you're angry, he's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. 
He said, by doing that, you do not participate in the cycle of evil, but you do good and break that cycle. God will take care of you. Somebody said, but they don't deserve it. And again, we don't deserve it. But how many of you know there is a judgment day? You forgive them. In other words, what you do is you turn them over to God and you say, God, you take care of it. Now, different things can happen. That person may repent just like you did, receive Jesus and get forgiveness like you've gotten forgiveness or you have received forgiveness. It may be that some of the things that they've done, they're going to reap what they sowed. But one thing's for sure, there is a judgment day where Jesus is going to right every single wrong. Every wrong. So the Bible says we just turn it over to him. Joyce Myers, uh, very well-known Christian uh, Bible teacher, uh, been here several times. She was, as a young woman, she was uh, raped by her father over 200 times. Uh, I, I remember one of the times that uh, she came to speak here. I think it was the second time that she came. Uh, there was a woman who had had a similar thing happen. And she, that, this woman actually came to kill Joyce. She, she had a knife and she was planning on killing Joyce. And, and uh, you know, you see our security they, 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 they spotted the woman in the service just the way she was acting, and, and uh, they protected Joyce, and, and the thing got, in that way, it got resolved. But this is what that woman said. She says, nobody can have happen to them what she says happened to her and be normal like she is. Uh, as Joyce grew older, she talks about how she forgave her father. And then she bought them a house right next to their house, paid their bills, and just kept on loving him. She says in, in his old age, he repented. He asked for forgiveness, got saved. She got to water baptize him. How many know that's better than running around, being bitter all your life because of what somebody had done? In fact, she said, she says, I'm not even sorry it happened. She said, it made me who I am. It made me who I am. How many know God will take the evil that the devil plans to destroy you and turn that, even that, around for good? The Bible says, freely you've received that grace, and freely we forgive that grace. Uh, I want to just ask you if, if there's somebody in your life, who's like that prison guard, was the Corey Ten Boom. Somebody who has humiliated you, maybe abandoned you, mistreated you, um, maybe, as in her case, raped you. And that person is controlling your life in some way yet today because you haven't released them. You haven't turned it over to God. And if, if there's something in your heart today, uh, I, I want to beg you to release that person. Give them to God. Say, God, I give them to you. And pray for them. And don't pray they have a car wreck. Don't pray to get cancer. Don't pray God bless them. Pray God reveal himself to them. And if there's something good that you can do to that person who's done you so much evil, 
Do them good. And here's what will happen. God's grace and God's love, that love that's been shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Spirit, it will rise up. And you will see a change in your life. Because the thing that happened to you in the past will no longer affect your today or your tomorrows. So if you've been watching and you know in your heart that you're not right with God, you feel this distance, you don't know you're forgiven, would you please pray this prayer with me? If you say you want to get right with God, just bow your head and pray this out loud. Make these words your own. Just say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. I believe he rose again. And right now I receive him as my Lord and Savior. I'm going to live for him every day. And I thank you. You've heard my prayer that my past is gone, that I'm forgiven, that I'm a part of your family today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, if you prayed that simple prayer, God heard your prayer and you're right with God. You've taken your first step into the kingdom of God. But you should keep on growing spiritually. And I actually wrote a book to help you keep doing that, and I want to send it to you absolutely free. You can download the book, or you can contact us. We'll send you a copy free of charge. And it is full of bullet points to help you keep growing spiritually. May God bless you, and keep on serving Jesus. If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Dwayne, you are making one of the best decisions of your life and we are so excited for you. Just as Pastor said, we'd love to send you a free copy of his book, Your New Life. Log on to walkingbyfaith.tv and download it right there instantly. Plus, it's also available on our app, which is absolutely free and a great resource for you to have. Today's program is available on Roku and Amazon Fire TV by searching Walking My Faith, or you can check out our app where you can download any message for easy offline listening. We know that there are many of you who have been watching and waiting for a good time to sow a seed into this ministry. I'm here to tell you that the time is now. Thanks to the generosity of some of our donors, we have up to $200,000 in matching funds available right now. This means your gift will be doubled, multiplying its impact in reaching others with the gospel. If you've been looking for the perfect time to start sowing into this ministry, there couldn't be a better time than this. Please take a moment to give us a call, go online, or open up our app and make a match gift right now. 100% of your gift will be used to change lives with God's truth all around the world. If you're in need of prayer or God is doing amazing things in your life, we want to connect with you. Contact us by phone, email, or through our app. You can also find us on your favorite social platform by searching WBF TV. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time.